Hey, and welcome to On The Rise, the podcast where you can learn from talented men and women making major moves and climbing to the very top of their fields. I'm Adam, and together with my friend and producer, Matt, it's our mission to bring you a weekly shot of practical inspiration from people who you can actually relate to. Matt and I love listening to people who are absolutely smashing it in their fields and at the very top. Think Elon Musk, those kind of guys. Shout out to Elon. But what we really, really wanted to hear from were people who were on their way to that level, but not quite there yet. Hence the name On The Rise. We're keen to listen to the habits, the practices, and the tips that these people have in their respective fields and try and provide inspiration for you, our loyal listeners. In today's episode of On The Rise, I speak with Chloe Marlowe, who is a fashion designer from London. Chloe's brand, Marlowe London, was launched in 2016, a year after she graduated from the world-famous CSM, Central St. Martin's Fashions course. Chloe's focus is in designing laser-cut leather goods and an array of printed scarves. Chloe has been featured in a number of fashion publications, such as Cosmopolitan, Red Magazine, The Sunday Times Style Magazine, and many more. Chloe speaks about her start in fashion, her advice for people considering a similar career to hers, and some of the realities you need to be aware of before jumping in. Chloe clearly has a lot of drive, and I really hope that you guys can benefit from the advice that she gives and breaks down really, really clearly. As always, if you have any questions, get in touch with us. Our Instagram is ontherise underscore podcast. Cheers, and hope you enjoy the show. So we're live. Uh, I'm joined today by Chloe Marlowe. Chloe, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I am so honoured that you're here. You're here in the flat. It's it's amazing. I'm gonna um, kind of get into some really good questions. Um, so I'm I'm interested in kind of how you got to um, thinking. Okay, going into fashion is for me. Where did you start? Where did that process start for you? Um, well, I've always kept journals and like diaries. And I actually found a diary from when I was 14. And I've written like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a fashion designer. So I think wow. I've always known I'm going to be in fashion. I didn't necessarily know the path that I was going to take or how I was going to get there. Mm. But i um, always been like arty and creative. Um, was there a particular reason that, that attracted you to fashion in, in the first instance? Or was it just, you know, you were quite interested in the area? I think, I guess it's like a very glamorized industry. Mm. Um, and I guess I've always looked up to it. And I just, I don't know. I guess the young girl, I've always played with Barbies. I have like a trunk. I still have like a trunk made of Barbies. They might be worth something so one do day. I. <laughs> do you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I used to like just undress them, redress them, style them, like cut things up. Yeah. So I guess I always had like a natural passion for it. And I've always been kind of immersed in some inner create and guess creativity. And my mum's very creative. My grandpa's a painter. So yeah. I guess the whole family is kind of um, quite artistic in that sense. Mm. I, th- I didn't necessarily know straight away that's going to be fashion. It could have been fine art. It could have been history of art. I, I studied history of art at e- um, a school, and I was going to go. I was going to go on to uni and do that. So sorry, what's history of art for the benefit? Okay, of, so history uh, of art. I guess it is what it says on the tin, like history of art. Yeah. And so I guess a lot of it was like architecture, fine art, painting, sculpture, and. Um, it would be just analysing. And it's, again, a very subjective kind of subject. Yeah. Which I think I, I liked, kind of giving your opinion. There's not like a right or wrong answer. Absolutely. Um, so I actually had planned to study that at uni because um, my parents, always, my dad in particular, wanted me to have like 
a uni degree and kind of like a, a real degree maybe that could lead on to like a proper job yeah um but on a whim I also applied for Central St Martins mm. and for art college and I was like okay if I get onto it it's meant to be if I don't it's not a big deal I've also got this other place potentially if history of art um and did that did that feel like somewhat of a wild card then to you no like, it felt super safe as in as in going for CSM felt safe. I was doing both okay so as in if it was meant to be, it was going to happen. Yeah. If not, I kind of had this backup. Mm. And I did get CSM. And then I guess the wild card kind of came where I decided, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity. Mm. And I deferred my university degree for a year. Yeah. And so I did my year foundation. Loved it. I can't explain what art college was like. Um, like I guess the film Fame, where people are like dancing through the hallways and like... Doing, literally, that's literally what my uni really? experience was like. Yeah. Crazy. Um, full of nutters. Or yeah. Like full of great nutters. <laughs> great like I was so normal that I was the weirdo. Yeah. As in, yeah, like turning you up and Abercrombie and brown like, hair, right? literally, yeah, yeah, like my natural coloured hair and like no piercings. Wow. Um, so, so going, so going back slightly. So yeah. When you had decided that kind of, um, so, so sorry, actually, going going back even a bit further. Yeah. You said that it wasn't a particularly um, kind of risky choice. For people who are listening, who you know might be in two minds of yeah. going for something, let's say like yeah. going to art college or taking something that's a little bit risky, the way you did it, I think, is really interesting because you almost you coupled that risk right. with something that yeah. that you could have also fallen back on in a way. Yeah. Do you think that that was what you were intentionally doing? Um, I think initially I was kind of like dipping my toe in the water, but mm. like the next bit gets a bit riskier because um, to get past the found to get onto a degree you have to do a foundation but it doesn't necessarily mean you're onto a degree mm-hmm. so then I had to make a decision am I applying for a degree at St Martin's and then losing my deferred place that I had at like Nottingham for history of art or do I just kind of take the the the, the set path that's kind of like there already and I, that was the risky kind of the leap almost. yeah that was my leap where I was like I had to just get rid of what was certain and then like just hope for the best and if it was and then um, it was quite terrifying. So I applied for three art universities mm. and St. Martin's was my first choice and I got rejected at the first two. And then I was like, oh my, can I swear on this? Of course. Okay, so we I was like, <laughs> okay, great. I was like, shit. If I don't get CSM, I'm screwed for the year. Like what, I just completely threw away my kind of safety net. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of like sleepless nights and I remember waking up one morning and getting the email and it's, you, know, you used to get those emails saying something's changed. Oh, you yeah. Yeah. And I remember like logging in and I think I was like, burst out crying and like wow. the relief of it. Um, wow. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it, it, in terms of, um, that moment when you, when you, when you like had committed to CSM, um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of a the resistance that you might have felt inside yourself did you have any kind of like oh shit like am I doing the right thing oh yeah I think a lot of people struggle with that yeah and then also I guess was there any resistance from people around you 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 said your dad was quite keen on you doing the safer option tell us a bit about that I think it's quite funny my dad don't think he realized until I was about a year and a half into CSM that he was like oh Chloe I was speaking to somebody today I was telling them what uni you went to and apparently it's one of the best ones in um in the world I was like yeah dad yeah so (laughs) it took him a while to kind of get to terms with it yeah um but for the the listeners by the way who don't know what CSM is um like it's it's a fantastic school very prestigious um 
you know, like the the alumni. I don't, yeah. don't want to like no, dig you like, up, but like the alumni yeah. is crazy. Well, it's like it's like it's like um hard like I don't know what the phrase is, but like, they're quite hard steps to follow or big steps to follow. Like you yeah. had Alexander McQueen, yeah. Stella McCartney. Yeah. Um, I want to say Damien Hirst went there, but I could have completely made that up. It could have been Goldsmith. Wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, um, you even got like actors. I think Russell Brand went there. Mm. Um, cause they have a drama school. I think Kanye did an internship. Yeah, Ka- oh, so Kanye was there in my final year. So he used to go to the MA to kind of scout designers for his um collection actually he didn't get on the ma he wanted to get on the ma but they rejected him really yeah they wouldn't they didn't want kanye didn't want kanye, didn't want kanye. that must have been tough for his <laughs> ego kanye, to yeah. <laughs> yeah but i remember one day when he was walking through the hallway and it was absolute chaos and people were like getting photos over the balcony yeah I bet. but yeah wow um so in, so yeah so the, the, like the going back to the resistance yeah so did you did you feel any how did you deal with it inside of you first i guess like that emotion of am I doing the right thing what was your kind of mechanism for that I think the mechanism I guess I guess I've always I think as an entrepreneur it's something you're going to face the whole way through so I don't think I've ever solved kind of solved how solved it like you're always going to have that feeling but I Mm. guess you kind of build up a better coping mechanism with it but I guess back then it was a lot more just kind of where do I want to be in life? How am I going to get there? Well, this is yeah. the best path for it. Absolutely. As in, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to put a hundred million gazillion percent into it and I was going to run with it. And I kind of did worry that I was missing out on, I guess, the typical uni experience. Mm. Um, there wasn't really club nights, but you're living in London. I lived at home for the first year. Halls for the second, which was quite cool. It was in Brick Lane, but it still wasn't like the uni campus kind of experience. You're living in like London City. It's still expensive. You don't get like, it's nothing's cheap. Um, but I would go and visit all my friends up in like Nottingham, Birmingham, and I so I got a bit of the ex- got a bit of it. But I just kept reminding myself that I'm just kind of take, leading the path that I want to lead, and I'm going to get to where I want to be, and it's kind of the best way to do it. Yeah, I think I think that is tremendously valuable to 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 have that attitude. For there's, I want to unpick a few things that you said because there's so much of yeah. value. The first I'd say was when you say. Um, kind of it's it's my path and you know to 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 understand that you're never going to be fully comfortable with what you're doing like if that there's that element of doubt I I almost think that that's a good thing that's like a sign that you're yeah you're doing something that is potentially right when you feel that like oh like I don't know and it's interesting to hear that that will never be completely solved in your opinion as an entrepreneur like that's so valuable um and also just reminding yourself that you're on your own path and you know obviously you know you you said you didn't have the typical uni experience but you know you're not in a typical situation now um and the school that you went to is not typical the career that you went into is not typical so I think I would encourage listeners who who are kind of considering any career let alone fashion or fashion design but it's a really good example you know if if you're if you feel that other people are doing something or you're not doing something that's typical like almost fuck them and push yeah, on yeah. because it, it's it's really valuable kind of the approach that that you took on that so yeah like well done for being you i guess <laughs> thank you <laughs> on the rise is brought to you in association with our good friends at jersey girl jersey girl is the fresh new fashion brand created by influencer and businesswoman marnie simpson Marnie typifies what it means to be on the rise, right to the very top. It was always Marnie's dream to launch a high-quality clothing brand, and with Jersey Girl and their fashion-forward and comfortable apparel, she definitely delivers on that dream. 
Whether slouching or slaying, Jersey Girl has got you covered. So ladies, join the new generation and be a Jersey Girl. Don't forget, as friends of the show, you are entitled to 20% off your first order with Jersey Girl. Just use the offer code on the rise 20. Cheers and enjoy. So we've, we've covered resistance. That was a really um, kind of interesting topic. Just moving on to like the practicalities of doing what you're, what you're doing at the moment. Right. When from studying, or it might have been during your studies, when did that transition into, you know, you actually making money from the brand right. um, and yeah. or I guess establishing your brand? Yeah, so I, I didn't necessarily establish it at uni, but I, I got my concept from being at uni. So I think um, I learned, I guess, from being at art, an art school, um, there are kind of two types of people, those who kind of knew they wanted to work for themselves and those who were just quite content and working for somebody else. Yeah. And I think the difference was those that were quite content working for somebody else kind of did what they needed to do and got by and like kind of got the grade they wanted. Whereas those that you could tell really had something were the ones that would come in as soon as the doors opened and would get kicked out by security because they were overstaying their welcome. And there was definitely like a category. And I was really inspired by those other people that were just kind of, you know, taking it to the next level and producing more work than was necessary and staying late and collaborating and you know kind of networking within the university and they became like my good group of friends yeah um, I guess because I was just they say you're you are your five closest friends absolutely and you probably are more drawn to people that are a bit more kind of have a similar like, mindset to you mm-hmm. so that definitely kind I definitely noticed that I mean it was in my final year that I for my final project um I decided I wanted to kind of incorporate a handbag um, so I did textile print design. I never kind of learned construction or pattern cutting. It was just the printing. So it was a lot of like screen printing, digital printing. So like making patterns for fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to kind of work out a way as to how I was going to learn how to even make a bag. And I ended up doing Saturday classes um, at a handbag factory near where I lived. And I really fell in love with it quite quickly. And I think because I was coming from a different angle, I was coming from, I guess, a print angle, looking at color and surface design, I was able to kind of create something that wasn't so obvious, maybe kind of pushing things a bit because I was trying to find new ways to kind of make it work for me. So with the support, with like the help of the Saturday classes, I came up with the final year project, which is a giant handbag, kind of big enough for like a full-size, you know, human adult to kind of fit in, like a giant one. You've got to really stand out for your final piece. Um, you kind of put everything into it. And so each side of the bag had a laser cut panel and it was all kind of, you try and get really deep as well at art school. It was like all kind of like theorists, um, text about consumerism or whatever. Um, and so that was my final piece. And so after graduation, I it wasn't as easy as I thought to get a job. Um, I didn't quite know what I was planning on doing. I ended up interning for two different designers whilst apprenticing at the factory where I'd been doing my Saturday classes. So kind of just things kind of fell into themselves. Who were you um, interning for? Who were you interning for, yeah. Um, So I interned for a designer called Richard Quinn, who's doing really, really well at the moment. He was actually, he got the first award by the Queen last year. I don't know if you kind of saw that in the papers. No, Um, No, so he's doing really well. And then also a a bag designer called Stephen Savile. Okay, Um, I've heard of Stephen Savile. Yeah. But it's women's bags, right? He does women's bags, Yeah. yeah. okay. Um, and I was also printing at the factory and I was kind of we were working on the production for really big designers mm. like DKMY and like um, luxury brands 
And it was kind of nine months into that, I kind of got my itch. I was kind of seeing the success, I guess, or the growth of the brands I was interning for. And I was kind of, I was kind of kept thinking, what if I kind of gave it a go for myself? Um, and I think it took me three weeks to kind of build up the courage to tell my boss at the factory that I wanted to... Oh, my jumping? Go did, on. No, 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 no. I, I was just asking, did you consult anyone when you were discussing that? I or think, did you just know yourself and you didn't really? I think I probably like ran it past my parents a bit, like, yeah. what if I would do this? Um, and I probably, they're probably a bit like... I, I remember them... I guess there, there's always been a bit of concern at the very beginning. Mm. Oh, you're a bit young. Like Maybe mm. it's worth interning more, getting a job, kind of testing the industry a bit before you even go on your own like do you know how to market yourself like do you have any understanding of it all yeah um, and I definitely gained understanding at the factory I was like listening into meetings I would see the clients coming in kind of I was learning a lot um, and I also actually I just remembered I began so I was freelancing um, so I was interning for two designers I yeah. was apprenticing and then I began freelancing for an online luxury store called Matches Fashion um and I was doing product writing. So I was experiencing e-commerce, manufacturing, and small business, small businesses, I guess. Mm. So I was learning so much in these six months or nine months. Um, you and just wanted to I just wanted to kind of out. give it a go. I kind yeah. of decided, I think I was probably 23 by then or 22 by then. Um, and I didn't really have much financial responsibility. I'm living at home, like, if not now, when? Um, mm. So yeah, it took me three weeks to kind of build up the courage to speak to my boss and kind of ask if I could quit but become her client. And um, I remember her being like, I remember her saying, I need to think about it, we'll get back to you. Um, but I remember the relief of kind of just expressing it and yeah. kind of like, okay, I did, I've done it. I don't yeah. know what I've done, but I've Amazing. done something. Shit, what have I done? Yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like, skipped out of there. Wow. I was like, I was beaming. Brilliant. And um, I remember getting a text saying, spoke to whoever, yeah, it's all cool. Um, but you won't be able to, you'll no longer be able to work for us if you're our client. I hope you understand. I was like, yes, I was yeah, ready yeah. to get out of there. Yeah. Um, and today I still work with, I guess, my old manager and she now has her own factory and I've moved with her and she still produces my collections for me. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good lesson of just sometimes, you know, going for it and like listening to your internal yeah. drive, really. It's really yeah. cool. In terms of that, that, you know, going from... Uh, manufacturing your kind of bag yeah when did you start to see that the the the, uh, the model you had created was kind of picking yeah. up traction did you see that at the kind of prototype stage or once it was done um so with fashion there's not really a prototype i guess there's a prototype stage but so i'm wearing a check shirt That's ob okay. obviously i'm i have no fucking clue That's about okay. fashion yeah but I guess what you show to the world is like the real deal. Yeah. So there were prototypes. They were kept more so within my friends, my family. And reaction's good, but I think also, I think you've got to learn that your friends and family aren't going to necessarily tell you when things are shit anyway. Yeah. Um, so that can only take you so far. So you only know really when you're showing the real deal out to the world. Yeah. And I was quite fortunate that things did get picked up quite quickly. Um, I had an online stockist within my first three months of launching. Mm. And some could say that's luck, but I also believe you make your own luck. And my mum came across an article by this um, online store called Young British Designers. And they they look literally for young British designers. And mum was like, go on, just email her, give her an email. Um, and I did. And she invited us to come meet with her. So we went, I think we drove down to somewhere near Birmingham um, to meet with her. And she, she bought the collection, which was really exciting. Um, 
And so I think it's kind of just taking a little risk. Yeah. Like what, what does that mean? She bought oh. the collection. So I guess, um, well, I was very fortunate that not a lot of stores do this, but she um, paid wholesale mm. for, she made an order and paid wholesale for the pieces in the collection. So okay. maybe it was like... So she like commissioned something? So I mean? guess in a way, but she, she kind of made an order for the red bag, the blue bag, the yellow bag, and I want three pieces of each and I'll okay. take one of those. And then I deliver them, I think probably three months later. Okay, okay, got so, it. So yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. Um, and then she sells them on. And then she sells them on, sorry. Okay, yeah, and she it. sells them on via her store. Got it, got so it. it's kind of like working with sense. a retailer, working with wholesale. Okay, and you know, that must have been an amazing feeling. To, yeah, it was uh, a bit like a uh, pinchy moment. And then I guess that was really great practice for me to kind of learn about production and minimums. Um, so, for example, the factories will will have a minimum as to how many they can make per style, for example, or per color. And you have to kind of meet their minimums or negotiate on a better minimum. But that's mm. expensive. Mm. That's really expensive. And you can't necessarily guarantee you're going to sell all those bags. That's a bit of a risk and a bit terrifying. But I guess it's all part of... Um, taking that leap and I knew that was going to kind of going to come and in terms of because you mentioned before that you'd networked like crazy like when you'd first left and presumably you're you know continuing to network like those sorts of questions that you have around the technical like right what do I do here like am I doing this because you know with the best will in the world your your mum's not a fashion right so like who who's helping you in that and uh, yeah, but how important is, you know, the attitude that you were talking about before in, yeah. in attracting that help? I think that's so important. I still do it. Um, I think it's really important to have mentors and people that truly believe in you and that want to support you. Um, and it's hard, they're not, they're hard to find. And a mm. lot of it is, I guess, trial and error. But I have kind of grown a really strong network of people that believe in what I'm doing and want to offer their time. And how do you find that? reach out to them? Yeah, how do you um, go about it? So a lot, I guess, how do I reach out to them? Instagram, DMing, um, a friend of a friend might know somebody kind of getting their email off of them and kind of reaching out, LinkedIn stalking. Mm. I go to a lot of events um, where I hear speakers and I always stay to the end, introduce myself and get a business card and they always remember you. Mm. And that's been the most successful. I've actually had meetings with really big stores from doing that and I've met with really influential people just from kind of waiting to the end, staying behind and going to say hi. Awesome. So there's something called imposter syndrome, which is when, I guess, when you start to make it and start to succeed in anything, you start to doubt yourself and think that you're not actually deserving of it. You were just talking about the successes that you first had. Do you suffer from imposter syndrome? And I guess, how how do you overcome that? I think, I don't think it's ever gone away. I think I definitely kind of experience it day to day now. And I'm pretty sure, I'm sure Richard Branson every so often is kind of doubting himself. Mm. Um, I think no one's immune to it and I think it's really hard but I think you have to kind of remind yourself what you're striving towards and I think I went to talk the other day about growth mindset and you can't necessarily necessarily think um, you know I can I I have achieved or um, I know I'm good enough when I have achieved I think you've got to kind of start thinking I know I'm good enough when I'm trying my hardest Mm. and I think you can't necessarily put a cap onto kind of what success is or how far you can go and once I've done this accomplishment I've done it 
I think you've just got to have the open mind as to I'm doing my best. What will be will be, but all I can do is give it my all. Mm. Um, because it's so hard to kind of meet the cri- I guess the criteria you're giving yourself, or you know, we all have such big ambitions. It's really hard to kind of meet all our expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly doubting. I have a vision board that really helps me, just kind of remembering why I'm doing what I'm doing and where I want to go and what I want to achieve. And, and, and so What's what it? is that? Yeah, yeah. so I, I think I read I did the book The Secret. I, got yeah. it. I had like a phase, I was like really into The Secret. Paula um, No? No, it's a woman. Um, I can't remember anyway, her name. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's fine. It's but, a really um, famous book. It's I mean, a really I famous should, book. I should know it. You should like, know it, right yeah. And there's three of them and I read them all. Okay. Um, and I had the podcast. Okay. Yeah, Who? Rhonda, I can't say her surname. Rhonda Bryan. Bye. Producer Matt looked it up. <laughs> Order one, Matt. Rhonda, yeah. <laughs> She's got a really soothing voice on, on um, the audiobook as well. Oh, beautiful. Um, and it's kind of all about envisioning where you want to be yeah. and truly believing that you're going to get there. And okay. when, when you're giving yourself such positive energy, you're only going to see the positives. Got it. Because I guess when we're all having shit days, we're feeling negative, it only gets worse. Like, mm. everything goes wrong. Um, however, when you're kind of looking for the positive, you only, you only see that and you kind of open more opportunities for yourself and... Like we have that thing where like a crazy thing happens. Like, you'll be walking in the street and you'll bump into somebody who you haven't seen for years, and then they'll mention, "Oh yeah, I was with so and so the other day," and you're like, "So and so, can you um like hook me up with them, whatever?" Mm. And it kind of opens doors. Absolutely. And it's kind of like that whole idea as that, that kind of that, that is the secret. Yeah, I th- I think that's what I mean. I'm definitely gonna read it, and I've I've heard about it. I I should really yeah. get on kind of reading it. I think what what's interesting is. The, the kind of positive visualization right. yeah. mindset that you take um and it, it clearly puts you in good stead right. to like have the right mindset okay so like you know obviously life is not just uh, you know rainbows and you know reading through the, the, yeah. the secret you know every every day there's there's like real business difficulty that that comes along with yeah um being an entrepreneur um i'm you know from 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 what you've um, said in 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 the, the past you know half hour or so we've spoken about you've been alone quite a lot in terms of going through things like just by yourself without yeah. much support um there's quite a lot of decisions and pressure that comes along with that yeah. that need to be made by yourself you know how that does sound quite difficult so first of all the question is how how important is it for people to realize that this isn't yeah. like a walk in the park always yeah and then also, how, how do you kind of deal right. with those tough moments? Yeah, no, I kind of, I think I was definitely saying to you guys before that I want to definitely put it out there that it's, it's not easy and it's not an yeah. easy journey and I don't have a business partner. It's just me. It's just you. Um, yeah, and I hold myself accountable to everything. And, you know, there's, it's like a massive roller coaster. There's days where I'm thinking, shit, what am I doing with my life? Is this the path for me? Should I just literally like call it quits today? Like, am I done? And then I'm like, wait a sec, Chloe, like pull yourself together. Like, would you mm. be happy doing anything else? And the truth is I wouldn't. And sometimes, you know, my brain's thinking louder than my heart is. And I've got to listen to my heart and remember, like, why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and things go wrong. Things go wrong all the time. Um, give, like, for give example. Give an example. Give an example. For example. Um, you make, like, a hat instead of a bag. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, definitely things from the manufacturing can go wrong. Okay, yeah. for example... I had been looking for manufacturing in Spain and I thought I found a factory. We got along really, really well. Yeah. And then push, like, it comes to the point where I now need to like work with them and they yeah. just stop replying to all my phone calls. I'm like, shit. And that's like, like was, that's 
a, a massive element of yeah business, and I was yeah. literally like relying on them for like the certain number that I was giving stores and like for the price points and then I hadn't thought of a plan b because I thought plan a was going to work just fine and usually kind of my process is I have a mini breakdown like I do I like there's tears and then I kind of pull myself together and I'm like wait a sec like like there's always a solution there's always kind of nothing's impossible there's always a solution to everything we've got to have kind of like a calm open mind mm. um but to do i think to do that without a partner is is so yeah impressive because it's like, hard you know if i would at work for example i work for a big company if i were to have some issue that yeah was you've got like, someone to turn to or you or yeah you've got more than one person to yeah talk to. like you're turning to yourself in a way definitely but with, i think yeah yeah, but I think that's also why I look for mentorship or I look for advice. Mm. And when it comes to that, I do kind of see who do I have that I've kind of spoken to before that's like an expert in that field who can give me advice in that. And I do, um, I did the Prince's Trust program and I've done an accelerator program with NatWest, which I'm still on now. And through that, I've also kind of gained mentorship and they do have some expertise in certain areas that I can kind of access when needed and that's for so the NatWest accelerator is for established businesses it's for they have different programs they have one for people that have an idea that don't know kind of how to pursue it yet or are on the cusp of kind of pursuing it and they have it for business they have another program for businesses that do have a business they're a few years in they've got traction the things are selling they're making money yeah um, and then you kind of get um I guess they call themselves an enabler and it's like an, a manager that kind of holds you accountable to things you have a meeting with them once a month um or every two weeks and you kind of go through like your plan of how you're going to grow um but I've kind of discovered those programs myself and you really do have to put yourself out there and find the resources because they're out there like there's grants available there's money there's um governmental advice government advice like the department for international trade you just got to find it you just got to be like resourceful yeah resourceful yeah Okay, so for the people listening who um, might have an idea um, and kind of are inspired by the journey that you've taken yourself and to such, you know, such a successful degree, what advice would you give them? What, let's say, three practical pieces of um, advice would you give to these people? Um, So I guess number one is have an idea that you're really passionate about. Yeah. I mean, that you truly, truly believe in and that you want to be a part of and that excites you because if you're not excited about it, if you're not passionate about it, no one else will be. Mm. And I think people definitely feel that passion. Mm-hmm. And I think a product can say can say one thing, but kind of you as a person says another and can sell it yourself. Absolutely. Um, and I think number two would be knowing your market and your competitors because you will be challenged on that. And I get challenged on that constantly. Kind of where do you sit? Who are your competitors? Where are your price points? Is that right for your customer? Like, who is your customer? How old mm. is, are they? And you can't um, bullshit that, right? You can't like, bullshit you need that. To know it, yeah. yeah, you need to know it. And I've been caught out on it previously and I kind of didn't realize how important it was to have that all kind of really figured out. But that takes time as well. So no pressure. Like that, that can move and mm. kind of adjust but definitely have an idea as to where you're going with that um and i think lastly find people that you enjoy working with that you can trust and that you're inspired by and you really do click with um because i think relationships with people go such a long way and um just always be kind and always be nice Mm. and i think um as well as practical i think there was like one thing i wanted to kind of end with which is kind of an idea I um an idea that I listened that I learned yesterday I was seen listening to an Oprah Winfrey podcast she has her super soul sessions um and the whole topic was like facing fear and like being a warrior not a warrior like 
or like a warrior yeah, yeah um and i think the idea was how we should run towards fear and not run away from it and it's so easy to kind of escape things and escape ideas and think oh you know what not right now that's too big i, I can't really deal with that or you know you, you're on your phone you procrastinate there's netflix there's so many things you could be getting on with maybe Especially next now, year like, yeah fucking hell yeah like maybe so. i'll try it next year maybe not for right now but yeah the idea of running towards your fear and kind of facing the anxiety and facing the doubt. And it's the hardest things that you do that really challenge you and make you grow. And if things work, they work. If they don't, they don't. But you learn a lesson either way. Mm. So, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and that's so helpful and a, a brilliant way to end um, the discussion. Um, thanks so much for your honesty. Thanks for your time, obviously. Uh, it would be great to uh, let everyone know where they can find you oh, yeah. uh, online. Um, it's funny as we're saying don't procrastinate online yeah. <laughs> but procrastinate if you're going to go to yeah. your page right like, follow so, me on Instagram yeah. um, so it's at Marlo underscore London so it's M-A-R-L-O-W and then my website is MarloLondon.com and I shall be launching a new website actually in the next couple of weeks cool we look forward to seeing it thanks a lot Chloe thanks thank for your time thank you take it easy howdy campers thanks so much for listening to On The Rise We hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did creating it. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us via our Instagram page, ontherise underscore podcast, for any suggestions for future guests or topics, or any thoughts about cities you want featured after season one, which featured London. Thanks again, and see you next time.